Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend a little time with us. And those of you watching throughout the week on YouTube or whatever platform it comes out on Facebook, thank you for giving us a little time. We believe it's an investment in your life and your future. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess... My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, today I'm going to talk about fighting the right fights and fighting the right fights the right way. Every one of us are struggling with, with something, and when you look around the room today, it's visible on some people and it's invisible on other people. But remember this. Whoever you encounter and whenever you encounter them, it's very possible somebody's fighting a really tough fight that you and I know nothing about. And so it's so very important that when we think about that, what's the best use of our time? How do we approach that? How do we address that? How do we come, uh, come across to somebody that we feel like we can help and uh, without being the judge over why they're acting the way they're acting or feeling the way they're feeling? Uh, it's very easy for us to quickly uh, assess uh, someone's condition, attitude, whatever, and really come up missing it and being very wrong. And so we have X amount of time, and uh, I've become more aware of this as I've gotten older. It's really funny. I, I used to think middle age was 50, and then I went, well, that's halfway to 100. <laughs> so we're probably wrong on the whole mental, you know, middle age idea. And so I began to think through that and go, okay, I have X amount of time left. And, and I know when you're in your 30s and your 20s, this is not even something that registers on your radar. Uh, you, you just look and life is endless and you're never going to get old. The day will come. I won't be here to taunt you, but you young people will get old. You, you will lose hair. And if not, it'll be gray uh, or platinum. Uh, platinum just sounds sexier, doesn't it? I just think I'm going to use that. I'll never go gray. I'm just going platinum. And, uh, and so I started thinking about time, and I was praying this past week, and this thought came to me, and it was really one of those download thoughts. It was like almost not audible, but very impressionable, that God said, people's understanding or people's appreciation of me or praise for me is in direct proportion to their understanding of me. By that, what I mean is when you really understand what God did for us by sending Jesus, that elevates our appreciation and praise for Him. So if you wonder why someone's not really someone that is really appreciative of God or they don't praise, it's not that they're bad people. It's just maybe they lack a little understanding of what really happened when Jesus came. And we can't see it, and we're a very visual culture with all of the video games and iPhones, and we have access to everything that we could ever want. And I think sometimes it, 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 it dilutes uh, our appreciation because everything's so available. 
And, uh, I mean, all you have to do is think for a moment about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And, uh, boy, I'm going to tell you, every day that, that God provided manna and then quail, their appreciation level went up because they knew there were no convenience stores around. <laughs> and so they couldn't go to Target and buy chicken and, and quail and whatever. And so when, when we think about life, we have to think in terms of time. And I was watching this clip of one of my favorite actors who actually has a, a level of revelation about time that I appreciated. I don't know how many of you are Rocky fans, but uh, yo, I mean, you know, Adrian, you know. So always a Rocky fan. So I was, I just, this popped up and I thought, you know, what a great, he, he presents it so well. But Sylvester Stallone was, he summed it up. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to share this. So guys, why don't you roll that clip? What do you think is... The most valuable thing you might have in your life that you really don't pay attention to, especially when you're young, because you just feel you have an abundance of it. It's never ending. Time. Time. And as you get older, you realize time becomes your currency. When you realize there's less runway up ahead than behind, you sometimes learn that too late. So I'm telling you people that have to be very, very, very stingy with your time. Don't waste it on people that aren't like-minded. Don't waste it doing things that you know are not part of your dream plan. Don't waste time being bitter, which I know I've been argumentative. And I understand the meaning of hate, because in the end, it's just waste your most valuable asset, time. So today, we're just going to kind of walk through how to maximize time. Uh, and, and I'm very categorical when back in the day I was a really big organizational chart guy. Try to put things in order. Maybe it's a deficiency or maybe it's brilliance. I'm not sure which. Uh, but um, I've always categorized things. And what I realized is I haven't really always categorized my life. I went to a university where body, mind, and spirit or spirit, soul, and body were highly emphasized and every one of us have to be very aware of those categories in our lives because each of them contribute to our behavior, how you feel, how you think, how you uh, believe, be that in God or somebody who's not God. And so it's very important that we understand these categories, and I'll explain why in a moment. But Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think that's interesting that, that the psalmist, by design, downloaded from God, says wisdom. He could have said that, that we, might, uh, we might gain a heart of knowledge. We might gain a heart of peace. We might gain a heart of joy. The reality is wisdom covers all of those because somebody said it this way, that knowledge is the accumulation of information. Gaining knowledge, learning, it's an accumulation, of a download of information. Wisdom is the ability to apply that, knowing when to apply it, how to apply it, and where to apply it. And so a lot of people in the world are really smart. They have a lot of knowledge, but we lack wisdom. And the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God, and he will freely give it to us. And there's a reason for that, because if I have knowledge of something, uh, I, I now need to know, okay, what do I do with that knowledge? How do I address that knowledge? So, for instance, 
if you know somebody who seems to be pretty sour all the time, or they don't talk a lot, or they don't smile a lot, they're not engaging or interactive, you may have a tendency to say, you know, just right off the top, they appear to be snotty. But you could be very, very wrong about that. You see, they could be introverted, and they really are intimidated. They don't mean to be mean to you. They have an insecurity in and of themselves. And you have measured them as intentionally, you've taken it personally, that they don't talk to you. So you have a limited amount of knowledge. Yeah, they don't smile. That's true. But let me ask you the question, do you know why they don't smile? Do you know why they don't talk? Do you know why they're not nice to you? I mean, you may be a jerk to them. I don't know. But the reality is, until I gain enough knowledge, and and it really isn't even my place to gain it, but it's my place to give grace until I know something different, instead of measuring their behavior against the limited amount of knowledge I have. This is where wisdom comes in. If you have a little knowledge, you need much wisdom. If you have a lot of knowledge, you still need much wisdom. How do I address this? How do I handle this? How How do I bring a redemptive approach to the little that I know? And it's so absolutely critical because all of us have been shaped, formed somehow by the culture in which we were brought up. And so we, a lot of times, carry the knowledge around, not that is truth. How many of you know not all knowledge is truthful? So you have knowledge, but is it truth? And so you were raised and you were told a certain thing, like, for instance, where I grew up, My mama went to the same traditional church her whole life. She never changed. And so when I got born again, that church and I didn't connect. It wasn't that they were bad people. I just didn't connect with it. And I'll tell you why. There were too many do's and don'ts. (laughs) And I just didn't have the capacity to handle any of that. And so I, I, I wanted to know God. I wanted to have a relationship with God. But that church was going to make sure I had one their way. And so I decided to explore other, other types of worship. And when I did that, it alienated my mother for a season. She didn't cut me off. She wasn't mean to me. But she, she questioned what I was doing. Now, I could have easily said, well, you know, I want to get along with my mother. But, and so I'm going to go ahead and live by her rules and her law. And, and then I'll just be fine. But I wouldn't have been fine because what I realized was I was measuring my life against my mother's belief system and not my own. And it wasn't that she didn't believe in Jesus the way I did, but the expression of that and how we were going to get to heaven was a big part of what she believed and that there were certain things we had to do to get to heaven. Let me help you with something. If you can contribute to in any way, shape, form, or fashion other than accepting Christ to get to heaven, then salvation is of no good. It's purely grace. I cannot earn my way to heaven. I can't contribute one thing. Well, God, you know, listen, hey, I pastored a lot of years, and you know sheep, God. Jesus talked about sheep. You know, just wandering around. And I could use that excuse, but God's saying, you know, you don't get to go to heaven because you served me in the capacity to which you were called. You don't get to go to heaven because you have a pastor ahead of your name. You don't get that. You only get to go to heaven because I sent my only begotten son to die for you, and you accepted his redemptive work on the cross. 
So for those of you who have any religious bent whatsoever, this is not an endorsement for you to continue to be stupid. <laughs> and you know I don't even have to say that. It just is what it is. And so it's not like we, we can accept Christ. And, and, and this is where religion and, and living a life by the Spirit differ. Flesh, Spirit is this. Yeah, we ought to all behave like Christians. We ought to all walk by the Spirit of God. Unfortunately, on any given day, we can all be broken. It only takes one incident, one mistake, one situation to, to create a passion inside us that reacts to something instead of responding to that something. And so it's very, very important that, that we, we stop, we pause long enough to say, God, I have knowledge that somebody just pulled out in front of me, and I think they meant to. You feel me on that one? I promise you every time somebody is a jerk like that, I think they did it because they knew it was me. And then Flip Wilson came along years ago and said, the devil made me do it. Well, don't give the devil credit for your own human stupidity. We just didn't control ourselves. We, we, we just didn't handle it well. We didn't exercise wisdom going, you know, I'm sure they did not see me. I know if they would have, they would have not done that. See, that's a Christian response, is it not? But I'm not behind the wheel right now. (laughs) Easy to respond when you're not in action. And so I I, I have to look at it and go, God, I I don't know what's going on in their life, their mind. Somebody might have just died. They might have just gotten a bad phone. I have to work that in my mind, okay? And you'll see in just a moment I'll tell you how this works. Because the reality is if I don't think that way, you see, your your, your three people, your spirit, mind, and body, spirit, soul, and body. Now, theologians have argued that, that we are, some people say, well, we are human beings having a spiritual experience. But the reality is we are spirit having a human experience. You see, the spirit of man is the only thing that's going to live forever. So we were dropped into these shells, these tents, as Paul calls them, our bodies. We were dropped in. The Spirit of God was dropped into this. So we're actually a spirit having a human experience. What does that tell you? When you are dealing with the the Spirit of God and the flesh of men, there will always be conflict. Because our flesh wants to do what it wants to do, and the Spirit is trying to get us to do what's best for us to do. And so there's always this battle, and unless we know how to address the battle, we will be in constant conflict. And for the first several years when I was born again, uh, I had that conflict because I, I was one of those people that really began, I knew what God had done for me. See, I had an understanding. I was lost. I, I was depressed. I, I was every bad thing you could imagine, and then I get born again. And the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So for me, my elevation of appreciation was up here, and my understanding, I had a high understanding, so I had a high appreciation. But over time, we lose a little bit of that appreciation. So in other words, when you first get married, boy, you're just so complimentary of everything your spouse does until they start doing stupid things, and you remember the stupid things, not the good things. I mean, you know, I mean, after all, when you're first married, it's red soda pop in love. And then three to four years in, you're like, why would you do that? Well, I've been burning pork chops since we got married. You just didn't notice. <laughs> but all of a sudden, now here you are in this relationship, and, and you start, because of our human nature, we start remembering the things that we don't like and forgetting the things that we fell in love with. 
And the same goes for God. When we get saved and God does these wonderful things, he, he frees us and miracles happen and a year goes by and you're still kind of excited and then two years you're kind of, eh, you know. Everything starts blending in and we start losing our appreciation because we forgot, we have forgotten what he did for us to deliver us from who we were. And so what I've had to do is I've had to create these categories so that I would fight the right kind of fights. You see, I'm not ashamed to say I think when I was younger I had a very strong mental disorder. It was undiagnosable because it, it had not been exist in existence. It's a new disorder. I'm glad you laughed. That was one of my jokes, but I'll use it. But I did. I had this disorder. And, you know, you, you, got, you got borderline, you got schizophrenia, you got all these disorders. Or, and, and so anyway, I, I, had this, I had a high level of passion. I had a high level of leadership. I had a good mind that thought I could do anything. But my emotions, I had no control. I mean, if something happened to me, I was going to respond emotionally without ever thinking about it. And so that has to do with your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala in your brain. So the amygdala is... The, the emotion center of your brain. The prefrontal cortex is the logic center of your brain. And there is a supposed to be, when you're born, a developed bridge between those two so that whenever you get emotional, your logic checks the emotion before the emotion goes rogue. My bridge was out. Now that's funny. And so I didn't know the bridge was out. I played point guard in basketball, quarterback in football, ran track. I, I, I was able to do things, and I, I was a leader, but I had rogue emotions. And that, those are dangerous. Why, let me tell you, when everything's going well, a passionate and emotional person is the funnest person to be around. But let things go south, and they will mess you up. And so I get born again. And now all of a sudden, I, I had a, a good mind. I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer in school, but I wasn't the dullest either. But, but I, so I had my mind, but my emotions, and I had no spirit. I mean, I had a spirit, but not God's spirit. And so when I got born again, all of a sudden, I'm introduced to God's spirit, and things began to change in my joy, in my mind, and, but my emotions were still where they were. And so I had to figure out a way, and still figuring out a way, still learning a way, to handle the things in my life that bring emotion to my life. Because when something happens that contradicts what we feel, feel, we oftentimes cannot contain that emotion. That's why you say things that you wish you hadn't said. And you try to apologize once your brain finally gets a helicopter from your emotions to your logic. And you go, oh, I should never have said that. Really, Gomer? And as much as you would like for that to go away, what you felt emotionally lodged in what somebody else thought logically. So now your emotion overrode a logic. I thought they loved me. But the words you just spoke didn't sound like you love me. And let me tell you, the brain has an incredible 
capacity to remember negativity. And so, how do we battle this thing? Well, number one, we deal with your spirit self. Your spirit self. It's very important because the the Holy Spirit, what I call your spirit self, is understanding what God did for you, which will help you do for others what God did for you. If I know that God forgave me and trust me, I know He did, I have no option but to forgive you. But I have to check in with my spirit because when you do something to me, my emotions and mine go, we're unloading on your whatever. And my spirit is now facing one on two. My mind and my emotions are going, shut up, we're going after them. And then your mind says, it's okay, all you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive you. And that mind is lying. You, yeah, that's right. But <laughs> better off not to be stupid and not ask to ask for forgiveness than to be stupid and keep going, God, I don't know why I keep doing this. <laughs> and then you turn around and blame the person who you think caused you to get angry. But let me tell you something. You choose to get angry. You can't blame somebody else for that. You chose that. I've heard people say, you make me mad. No, no, you didn't. I chose to be mad because you were dumb. That's how we would respond to that. Instead of realizing I am only in control of one thing, my life. The Bible doesn't say have a fruit of the Spirit's other's control. It's self-control. So now I have to address my own issues. No matter what you do to me, no matter what you say to me, I should have the capacity, if my spirit self is connected to the Word of God and the truths of God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's what the Bible says. A weapon formed against you is not like somebody trying to kill you. It's like the devil wanting to distract you and pull you away from truths that will bring blessing to your life. And I tell you right now, there I mean... You get salvation is immediate. The minute you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. The real challenge is not getting saved. And then the religious people would say the real challenge is staying saved. I can't stay saved. I'm either saved or I'm not. Now, the only way I can stay saved is not to, I, the only way I cannot be saved is to renounce my faith in Christ. It's not because I do dumb things. I'm helping some of you right now because you've been doing dumb. And you're not saved because you're smart. You're saved because you believe. And it is smart to believe. But I, I'm, not, I'm not saved because all of a sudden I get born again. I'm filled with the Spirit and I do everything right. I now want to do everything right. But it's like Paul said in Romans 7. He said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? Who's going to help me and deliver me? Even the Apostle Paul had this conflict in his person of of not being able to to do everything the way he wanted to do it. I don't like getting mad. I don't like being judgmental. I don't like gossip. I don't like those things. But I have incredible potential. And who wants to waste that potential? But I know better. And I catch myself, and I have to go back to my spirit self and go, now, how is this going to affect 
every area of my life. This is going, I only have so much time left. That's what Rocky said. We only have so much time. And I got to tell you, I'm running out of runway. There is a whole lot of tarmac behind me. And every now and then I think about this. God, how much time do I have left? And really, I want to number my days the right, but more importantly, I want to use them right. I want to use the time I have left in a way that is productive and redemptive and filled with hope. And every now and then we get older and we start thinking, well, it's probably time for me to just land. No, I didn't say you're running out of fuel. You're running out of runway. And that many people start getting older and start giving up. And, and some people think just because you're getting older, you, you reserve the right to be mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard old people say, well, you know, I've lived a long time. I can just, what? Yeah, well, that doesn't give you a right to be mean. It gives you a right to grow hair out your ears, but not to be mean. And so we use excuses to dial it down and say, I don't have, I've been a Christian for 30 years or 40 years. And we use that kind of like, well, I have a right to do certain things new Christians don't. No, you don't. You are the model for new Christians. We are the model for new believers. And our response to life and behavior and actions is a very important response. Thank you, William. Love you, brother. You're my hero. So I want to have a healthy spirit man, and the only way to do that is to make my mind and my emotions line up with the Word of God. I don't have a right to hurt somebody that hurts me. I have a desire to hurt somebody who hurts me. I have this innate human passion to go, oh, no. You ain't doing this. Instead, sometimes God says, I just thought I'd throw this out there and give you a little test. Not tempting me, but just checking me. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there are times I just go, oh, God, please help me. Because that's where I have to go now because I'm thinking, I got this handled. Go over there, God. Don't look. I'm fixing to fix this, and it'll be all right, and then I'll ask you to forgive me once I fix this. But after I fix this, you're probably going to need to fix what I fixed. So I have to be aware of my spiritual self because I'm in the process of sanctification, of of growing in God, developing in God, of learning in God. And, and, And there are things I want to respond to in ways I was taught to respond instead of the way I know to respond. You see, I know enough of the Bible where I'm not excused anymore. You know, I tell people, I used to drag race all the time. Man, I was 16, I was, I was a racer. I, I raced Tulsa International Raceway. I, I, you know, I, I, I raced street racing. I did all that. I know it's probably wrong. And so I, I like power and speed. And, and what I've realized is when an officer pulls you over at 18, He looks at you and says, you're just a dumb kid. When he pulls you over at 60-something, his response is, you're old enough to know better. (laughs) 
I think about that when I'm speeding. Because I am old enough to know better. And so when you become an older Christian, you have enough experience and life experience and hopefully word experience to know better. Now, I ain't mad at you if you speed. Just don't run a red light and hit me. I ain't no judgment, but I, I'm just telling you, it ain't going to go well for you if you're in your 50s and you're being as dumb as an 18-year-old. You got issues. So your spirit self desires to follow God. And, but our passions wane. If we're not careful, our passions wane. People that once felt like I have to be in church every time I have an opportunity to be in church, now look at it and go, you know, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven, I don't have to be there. See, this is the challenge with our spirit self is we give ourselves permission to do things that are not beneficial to our living here and now. You can't steal heaven from me when I die, but you can steal it from me while I live. Because Jesus said, pray that it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the goal is not for me to get to heaven, but to experience heaven while I can on earth. To bring as much of God as I can to this earth. And that is a challenge because there are times you just want to reach out and touch somebody real hard. And then invite them to church. And they really would want to come to your church. Once you've given them a hard time and told them how dumb they were and how slow they were and how incapable they were, hey, you want to come to church with me? No, thank you. So the goal isn't for you, me to impress people with my Christianity. That's not the goal because I, my goal is not to get them to be impressed with me but to be impressed with God. So if I remember that and go, this is not about them liking me. This is about me loving God enough to get them to know Him. So my behavior and the time I have left really counts, and I've got to, I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate it to think about it, but then there's a part of me that goes, I can't wait to get to heaven. It gets really quiet. We start talking about heaven. People go, oh, when is that? Boy, I, I don't know what you watch on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, but they're saying the average age is 78. I'm going, oh, whoa, whoa. Whoa, slow this thing down. I, I'm like going, well, you know, am I going to be average? Because <sighs> if I'm average, i got to tell you all, the tarmac just got shorter. The runway is shorter. So what do you do? Some people decide, well, you know, I'm older, I'm going to quit. You know what? I want to challenge you. If you're older, don't quit. Step up. The world needs you. Whatever time you got left, use it for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. So you have you have your spiritual, you have your spirit self, and then you have your mental self. Your mental self is very, very important because your mind will always wage battle. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ because your mind will try to convince your spirit that you're right in what you're doing. You can try all you want. I can find scripture. This is, this is how brilliant I am after two degrees. I, I, I can find scripture to support most of my dumb things. All I have to do sometimes is go back to the Old Testament and say, well, you know, they were cutting heads off of people that didn't like you, God. I can't go into the Old and New Covenant thing with you right now. It would take forever. But what I'm saying is we can always, our mind can convince us that our behavior is acceptable. 
people say, well, I'm not going to be treated that way. Well, talk to Jesus and ask him how he was treated and what he did. Nobody has shown up in my house yet with the nails and cross and going, today is your day. And until I can compare my life against that life, I have nothing to complain about. And quite frankly, I'm pretty sure I will never have that comparison. Number one, physically. Number two, in his soul, he's carrying the sins of all the world, past, present, and future. The body pain was far less than what he was carrying in his soul. He was carrying sin. If you've ever sinned really bad, think about Jesus carrying that plus billions and trillions. And you had one sin. I'm, you, you stole a Reese's buttercup something when you were a kid, and you've never forgotten it. You are a thief. And the devil will remind you every day of that Reese's cup, you thief. What kind of person are you? Taking candy. And you'll carry that. I know a guy that was doing a lie detector test to be in a police department. And he's such an honest person. They asked him, have you ever stolen anything? He pondered a minute. And he said, well, when I was in the fourth grade, he stole a video game out of a backpack. And he remembers it. That's how come the Bible says, renew your mind by the washing with the water of the word. That God doesn't remember that sin. I love that God is so forgetful. And if you're religious, you're mad at me right now. Well, God doesn't forget. Oh, yes, he does, and I'm thankful he does. He's forgotten every sin I've ever committed. Every sin you've ever committed and repented, he has forgotten it. You can bring it to him. You can come with your little Reese's Cup story all you want. He's going, what Reese's Cup? What video game? God is forgetful. There's going to be another whole series on this one. We, we sometimes look at God and say, he remembers everything. No, he doesn't remember everything, and I'm thankful because he sees through the blood of his son who wiped away and washed away and erased every sin that you have given to him. Now, if you are religious today, you hate me. Well, you know, we've got to be good. We've got to do this. I want you to be good. God wants you to be good, but not for his sake, for your sake. This is not about impressing God with how good and awesome we are. This is about being impressed by how good and awesome he is. Three things you can do to help your brain. Meditate on the right things. Hebrews 12 says, Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's how the Amplified, that doesn't mean it's louder, it means it's expanded on. 9.30, totally got it and you missed it. No condemnation. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will be successful one person said to a person who only owns a hammer everything in life looks like a nail expand your toolbox you can't handle everybody and everything the exact same way 
There are some people who need confronted with a very strong confrontation. There are other people who need to be wooed out of their situation. I used to think everybody had the same problem. It's like, hey, y'all going to hell? And you need Jesus, so either get it right or get left. Now, that right there will bring a lot of people into the house of God. See, all I had was a hammer, and I saw every lost person as a nail, and I'm going to take care of business. And I realized that worked for people like me. If somebody come up and said, Mark, you're just a hellion on your way to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Help me out. But if you're a nice person who thinks you're already going to heaven because you're so sweet, you probably need a little talking to, like a little wooing. You're so sweet. You're so kind. But did you know that sweet people don't go to heaven? And kind is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all go look that up. You'll find I'm right. We use all these things to justify our behavior and think that God is really moved by our kindness and our sweetness. And he's not. He's moved by our faith and repentance. Repentance and faith in him. And so my mind has to, I have to meditate and then I have to recreate how I think. I have to renew my thinking. You know, that's why we read the Bible is to keep our minds renewed because if you don't read this and you don't hear this and you don't listen to this, you will default back to your old human behavior. This is what keeps our spirit alive and our mind in line with the spirit. And I got enough of this in me. I, I, if, if God would come back, I would have no excuse for any reason. Any, any, I have no excuse for any wrong behavior, none. I'm just being honest because I know enough to know the right thing to do, but I don't always do it. I still honk. I'm better. And, and Susan helps me with that. Don't honk. Don't count to one. You haven't been crucified yet. There's been no attempt on your life to be crucified. Recreate, meditate, recreate. And lastly, your emotional self. For those of us who are very passionate people, this is a very challenging point. So I saved it for last, hoping that I could somehow work my way up to delivering it. I may not feel loved by someone, but I have no proof that what I'm feeling is true. You see, we make decisions emotionally, oftentimes in relationships and marriage, that we assume. We often assume being rejected, not loved. You weren't there when I called. You didn't answer right. You weren't available, yada, yada, yada. Instead of putting the pressure on someone to love you that way or to require that, will make you miserable and them miserable. If you are emotionally healthy, all that matters is how much you love somebody else, not how much they love you. That's tricky, right? Because you think, well, if I love you a certain way, you should love me the exact same way. And we have different personality types. We have different ways of showing love. I, I could tell my, my wife I love her all day long, but words of affirmation really aren't her cup. I mean, they help, 
But let me tell you, if I go fix something, oh, man, I am Iron Man. <laughs> Nothing says I love you like fixing something that's broken. I'm telling you, it's going to be a good evening. So we have to realize, emotionally, we're all very different. You need to know who your emotional self is. For me, I know what mine is. I know that I have to check every emotion at the door because I am a very emotional person, if you couldn't tell. That's why we shout hallelujah at the end of every service because I'm just emotional. I love it being loud for Jesus. I, I, I love that kind of thing. So I have to guard my emotions and, and make sure that, that I don't react or respond out of emotions because what I learned was I started years ago building that bridge between my prefrontal cortex and my amygdala and I, I really have started thinking logically when I feel a certain emotion, I automatically turn it over to my prefrontal cortex and start thinking, is that a right thought? You know, I've had people leave the church because I didn't say hi to them. You think I'm kidding? Well, he didn't come over and say hi to me. I had no idea you were there. Well, then, then they take that to the net. Well, I can't believe I'm invisible to you. I am not Jesus Jr. You don't need for me to shake your hand. No, this, I mean, I'm just letting you all a sneak peek into a pastor's life. How you can go from I didn't shake your hand to hi to I don't notice you and you're not there, you're not visible. That is dangerous. You see, that, that means you don't have your emotions in check. If you don't say hi to me, I'm not going to go home. They, they don't like me. I don't live my life for you to like me. I love for you to like me, but I'm not living my life for you to like me. I love you most of the time, except when I don't. And it's not your fault. You see what I'm saying? It's not your fault. If you don't love me, I don't think it's your fault. I think you're missing out, but it's not your fault. You see, to, to stay healthy, you have to address your spirit self. And say, how full of God am I? How deficient? And where are my deficiencies? Do I trust God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I love God? I, am, I, am I fighting the good fight of faith or am I fighting everybody else? I don't have time to fight with you. I'm fighting an internal fight to stay close to God. That's my fight. And that was Paul's fight. He said, I've run the race. I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Those are three critical things. He said, in other words, I never quit running, and I never quit fighting, but I always had faith. And if you have faith for the fight, you'll fight the right fight. But you dismiss faith out of that, and you're going to be fighting for other people's attention and other people to like you and other people to do for you instead of saying, I'm fighting a fight to stay close to God. My mind is being renewed. My emotions are being in control, self-controlled. Not always, but... Boy, I'm, I'm fighting it. And you're not my enemy, and I'm not your enemy. And the problem with society is we think people are our enemy, and our enemy is not flesh and blood. That is not our enemy. And, and you can speak poorly of me. You're still not my enemy because the devil's doing that to get you to mess things up. Same with me. If I go and I, I blow up on somebody, I flare up, and then they ask me what I do for a living, I have just misrepresented my boss. Oh, you, 
It's like, God, you employ him? Really? I just want to encourage you. Don't beat yourself up. Don't quit. Take the time that you have. Number your days. I've numbered mine. I may live longer than I want to. I don't know. It's not in my hands. What is in my hands is the time that I have today, which is the currency that I have today, to do the right thing as much as I can and as best as I can. And you can do that. You see, I, I probably should have quit on God three to five years into my salvation because I wasn't acting very saved. But I was radically saved. But there was so much of Mark Crow and Mark Crow that God had to get another dumpster. <laughs> Is, are we ever going to get all of him out of him? Now, we, I just have a little one that you can roll to the curb. <laughs> Used to, he had one on 18-wheeler. You know, it's like, back that sucker up. And now God goes, he's still got trash. Just wheel it out to the curb. They'll pick it up. I want to encourage you, hopefully. Be aware of your emotional self. And don't beat yourself up when your emotions are wrong. Just be willing to address it and say, I've got to exercise more self-control. When you're, you have stinking thinking, get the Bible out and take a mental shower. And renew your mind by the washing with the water of the word. If your spirit man is struggling, get enough of the Bible in you to know enough that God will never leave you, never forsake you, will never leave you high and dry. He's with you forever and ever and ever in your worst and darkest hours as well as your best and most influential moments. God is with you. And when you realize that you're not going to heaven because you're good and right all the time, but you're going because he's good and right all the time, that's what makes a difference. So let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for being so patient with us. And thank you, God, for sending your only son so that we might know eternal life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me, if you would, please. Don't hold back. Because somebody sitting on your row, somebody sitting near you, somebody in your house, may be sitting there wanting to hear what you're going to say and what you're going to pray. And this is what I want for all of us, to pray this prayer out loud. You say, well, I'm born again. I pray this every Sunday twice. And I pray it because I want, I'm not ashamed to, to be born again. I'm not ashamed to claim Christ as my Savior. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare loudly, I declare boldly, I am saved. I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you know that it, it meant something to you, that, that this I'm really born again, and I, it's important that you not keep that a secret. So two things happen. One is in just a moment our prayer team will be over to the left side of the stage here. I want to ask you just to come up and say, look, I gave my life to Jesus today. Would you pray for me and help me? Just pray that I can walk this out and not ever give up. Uh, other thing I want everyone to do, those of you watching online, be it live today or uh, in, in the time this week, whenever you listen to this on recording, uh, to text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. This will do something for you. We don't get any credit. We're not looking for credit. That's not what this is about. We're looking for you to make that statement so that you can remember this day forever and ever. July 17th is my day. And it's been a long time, and I'll never forget that day. 
And so I want you to remember this day right now. So text that word, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.